Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Welcome to Israel and You. We've got a great show for you today. Our guest is Dr. Gerald McDermott. And Dr. McDermott received his Bachelor of Arts from the University of Chicago, his Master of Religious Education from Grand Rapids Baptist Seminary, and his PhD from the University of Iowa. And Dr. McDermott is the retired chair of Anglican Divinity at Beeson Divinity School in Birmingham, Alabama. He's the author and co-author or editor of 23 books, including Israel Matters, The New Christian Zionism, and Understanding the Jewish Roots of Christianity. And Dr. McDermott is just a shining light in this in whole conversation of uh, replacement theology that's spreading across America today. His, uh, one of his newest books is Israel Matters, Why Christians Must Think Differently About the People and the Land of Israel. It's a cutting-edge book. It's a must-read. It was published by Brazos Press, uh, a division of Baker Publishing Group in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Dr. McDermott contributed a chapter to Israel Team's new book, The Casualty of Contempt. And his chapter is entitled, Why I Changed My Mind About the People and the Land of Israel. Dr. McDermott is one of the leading theological academics writing and speaking today about the need for Christianity to reject the age-long Christian narrative that the church has replaced Israel. And Dr. McDermott is overflowing with a character trait that is sadly lacking in our world today, and that character trait is courage. And we need courage today in pulpits across America, in academic uh, centers all across America. So Dr. McDermott is so wonderful, and it's my really distinct pleasure and honor to have you on Israel and You today. Welcome to Israel and You. Well, Aaron, thank you so much. You're very kind. It's it's my pleasure to be with you today. So this this issue of, of replacement theology, you know, it sounds kind of heady. It's also called supersessionism, and it's the idea of uh, a narrative that's been taught for a couple thousand years within the church world. So can you explain to the listening audience, Dr. McDermott, what replacement theology is all about? Well, it really means, Aaron, that uh, God has replaced Jewish Israel in his affections with the Gentile Church. Now, this is wrong. It's not in the Bible, but this has been believed by most of the Church for the last 1,700 years. Uh, And it, it refers to both the people and the land. So God no longer cares about the Jews unless they accept Jesus, but ever since 30 A.D., when Jesus rose from the dead, God transferred his covenant from Jewish Israel to now the Gentile Church. He, he, you know, he doesn't care about the Jews anymore. He only cares about the Gentile Church. So that's the people. God has no special love for the Jewish people um, since 30 A.D. Hmm. And it also applies to the land. The, that little strip of land on, on the eastern edge of the Mediterranean is no more significant to God anymore 
than, say, the land of New Jersey, which is about the same size. Mm-hmm. So these are the two things in replacement theology, the people and the land. You know what's confused me over the years is how theologians can theologically erase a covenant. And this was the covenant God made with Abraham, that they would be, his descendants would be a people, and that they would have their own land. So uh, how, how do theologians today come to the conclusion that the Abrahamic covenant is, is erased and done away with by God? Well, you know, Aaron, I think it's groupthink. They've been taught this by all their theological um, professors in grad school, and they've been taught it, unfortunately, from most pulpits in most churches across the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, and they, and, and so it's the existing paradigm. And so they read the Bible with these presuppositions, and they find these presuppositions confirmed by uh, all the other scholars and all the other pastors who preach, rather than looking at the plain sense of the Scripture that's right there before their eyes. You know, Dr. McDermott, I was in uh, Wheaton College a couple years back, and I was meeting with some academic professors that, you know, love Israel, and they said to me, you know, have you read this new book, Israel Matters, Why Christians Must Think Differently About the People in the Land of Israel by Dr. Gerald McDermott? And I said, no. They said, it just came out, so I ordered the book, and I said to myself, you know, thank God that there is a courageous uh, academic of Dr. McDermott's, you know, level of expertise and scholarship that is writing about this issue. And so the last three years, I've, I drove up to Beeson when you were uh, teaching there, and uh, you know we spent I think three lunches together just getting to know you, and I've I've just known you as just this this wonderful man of God. And you you told me your story, and you wrote about your story in our book, Israel Team's new book, The Casualty of Contempt. And several years ago, you changed your mind about the people in the land of Israel. So tell us your story of your journey from replacement theology to where you are today. Well, sure. Actually, it was more than 20 years ago. Okay. Uh, I, I had been, I was a supersessionist. I believed in, in, in replacement theology uh, because this is what I'd been taught, and this is what my, uh, the, the, the theologians who taught me uh, believed. And, you know, you see this thing in, in uh, study Bibles, like uh, um, the ESV study Bible. Uh, I know a lot of the, uh, of the translators and the editors, and they're good people, but they too have been misled, at, uh, as I was misled. And then uh, I was leading a tour of Israel as a replacement theologian. <laughs> wow. And my guide, <laughs> and my guide, Baruch Kavaznika, uh, who was doing a Ph.D. at Hebrew University in Jerusalem, would very polite, um, politely take me aside after I'd given a lecture uh, at, at a site or on the bus, and he would ask me questions that would show that I didn't know what I was talking about, and I was contradicting, actually, what's in the plain sense of Scripture. So I remember uh, when I... Um, after reading and teaching on Romans eleven twenty eight for years, 
all of a sudden, I saw something I'd never seen before, where Paul is talking about the Jews of his day and who had not accepted Jesus, and he says, they still are beloved because of the fathers. And then in the very next verse, 29, the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Now, the number one gift in the first century when Jews talked about the gifts of God, the number one gift was the land, the, the gift of the land. And, and he said that, that gift is irrevocable, cannot be revoked. And calling, that's God's calling the Jewish people to be his chosen people. He says it's irrevocable. Now, now you know, the book of Romans, I, I knew, was Paul's sort of last will and testament, uh, you know, um, written shortly before he was martyred. And it's the closest thing we have to his, uh, to his systematic theology. It's, it's um, and, and this statement is at the end of his whole career of reflecting on the relationship between Jews and Gentiles, and chapter 11, at the end of three chapters, where he's talking about the relationship between Jews and Gentiles. And so here he's saying, just before he dies, a few years before he dies, that God's calling of the Jews in covenant to be his chosen people will never be revoked. And yet, replacement theology, which I had believed in, supersessionism, which I had taught, teaches clearly that that calling of God to the Jewish people to be his chosen people was revoked in the first century. And so I suddenly saw that I was wrong. And it took <clears throat> some severe courage for you as an academic. And, you know, when you talk about group think, you know, you're encircled, encompassed by other academics that believe in replacement theology. And you broke away. And I just, you know, as I'm talking to you today, I just, again, thank God that you had the courage to break away from this age-long uh, teaching, uh, 1,700 years old, that says the church has replaced Israel. And, you know, where are we today, Dr. McDermott, as, as a nation in America? I mean, our, I know that you recently spoke at an uh, event called Christ at the Checkpoint, which is, in in my estimation, you know, an organization that uh, basically teaches uh, supersessionism, replacement theology. Dr. Gary Burge, who leads that conference, has gone so far as to say uh, in his book, Whose Land, His Promise, if uh, Israeli Jews do not convert to Jesus, they're good for nothing and should be cast into the fires and burned, which is, is very uh, anti-Semitic language. So where are we today in, in the theological circles, in the church circles? Has America, in your estimation, moved closer uh, to embracing replacement theology, or are we moving away from it? What, what's your thoughts? I think we are moving closer theologically, but unfortunately in the churches, uh, they haven't completely caught up. And I say we're moving closer theologically because um, I am one uh, of a few people who started um, five years ago a, a, a new society called the Society for Post-Supersessionist Theology. And, and, and we've been meeting twice a year now, and, and uh, our main meeting is every year at the largest gathering of religious scholars in the world called the American Academy of Religion, and the Society for Biblical Literature 
and we're meeting uh, each November, and this time it's in San Antonio. And every year we meet, we get more and more scholars from many different fields, Bible, theology, church history, world religions, uh, to come to our meetings. So this year in November, we expect to have hundreds of scholars from all over the world to be joining us. Um, now in the churches, um, you know, most of the evangelicals were pretty good in rejecting replacement theology until in the last 10 years, young evangelicals are starting to turn away from it because of the, um, uh, the, the rising influence of the new social gospel and the, what's called the, um, social justice movement, which in the present form in which it appears is very pro-Palestinian and anti-Israel. Now, I'm pro-Palestinian. I'm also uh, pro-Israel. Uh, I believe in what's good for the Palestinians, and 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 two million of the Palestinians are Israeli citizens themselves. And what's good for the Jews, and what is good for the Pal- for the Palestinians and for the Jews is to fight against supersessionism and recognize that it's unbiblical. But Many of of your millennials, your young twenty and thirty somethings in the evangelical churches, have been led astray by this new version of social justice, which actually is neither social because it divides, nor just because it's racist. Uh, uh, and this brings us into the race problem these days. Um, you know, you know the race question these days, critical race theory, which I know you're interested in. So. It's because of this rise of this new kind of social gospel, this new kind of social justice, which, which is not biblical, not social, and not just, that uh, many young evangelicals um, are turning away from, from support for the people of Israel today. Yeah, that's so true. And a study just came out uh, about a month ago, Dr. McDermott, that says there's about a 70% drop-off within the evangelical millennial community that they're turning against Israel. And if we continue on this this track, uh, evangelicalism will be anti-Israel within a decade. But your work in the academic world, I think, is really changing minds and changing hearts. And hopefully it'll spread from the academic world to the pulpits and pastors will change their mind on this issue. You can follow Israel and You on Apple Music, Spotify, and Amazon, and you can be download those uh, podcast apps, and you can look up all of our past shows. We'll be back on the other side with Dr. McDermott. Hello, I'm Aaron Free, and I'm honored to serve as president of Israel Team Advocates International. Israel Team is a unique nonprofit organization that is changing the growing narrative within the Christian world that the Jewish people are illegally occupying the land of Israel. The truth is that God, the God of the Bible, identifies himself as the God of Israel, and Jerusalem is his footstool. God has given this land to the Jewish people as an eternal possession. Within the evangelical communities, millennial generation, and Generation Z, there is an alarming decline of support for Israel. 
Israel. Presently, about 70% of young evangelicals are unsure of Israel's right of their very existence. If this trend continues, we are going to see a majority anti-Israel evangelical movement within 10 years. Imagine future Christian leaders in America calling for the removal of Jews from the Holy Land. Israel team cares deeply about the future of American Christianity and is investing in the young Christian leaders of tomorrow. We work on Christian college campuses and church youth and college groups to make a difference for Israel and the church as well. We mentor pastors and church leaders and counteract the growing trend of replacement theology being proclaimed from churches across America. I'm asking you today to help us in this noble cause. We can change the current trend of anti-Israelism, one church and one college campus at a time. You can go to our website at israelteam.org to donate today and stand with us today. We ask you that you consider giving to Israel Team on a monthly basis. In the present exponential rise of anti-Semitism in America, our efforts must double to push back against this darkness. For your gift this month to Israel Team, we want to send you our new book, The Casualty of Contempt, The Alarming Rise of Anti- anti-Semitism and what can be done to stop it. Go to israelteam.org. That's israelteam.org. This is Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Hey, welcome back to Israel and You, and it's our distinct pleasure today to have as our guest, Dr. Gerald McDermott. And Dr. McDermott, his, his latest book that he edited is entitled Race and Covenant, Recovering the Religious Roots of American Reconciliation. And Dr. McDermott, when when we talk about what's going on in America today, it seems like we're just divided uh, in this issue of race. And you've uh, edited this remarkable book about uh, racial reconciliation from a biblical perspective. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on how what we talked about the first half, how the social justice movement, how critical race theory is really uh, changing the narrative about Israel. And there's so many that are teaching that Israel is a colonial settler state, much like uh, apartheid South Africa, that uh, the Jewish people are basically white and have moved into Israel and, and thrown out the, the people that live there and uh, the Jewish people need to uh, be driven out. Uh, one of the mottos of the social justice movement is from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free of Jews. So what are your thoughts, Dr. McDermott, on this issue of Israel and critical race theory? Well, critical race theory, uh, as you know, Aaron, is a movement that started among scholars in American law schools in the 1970s. And these legal theorists said that the, the civil rights movement of the 1960s didn't go far enough. Um, it taught color blindness, and instead we should teach uh, color consciousness. Hmm. Uh and it said affirmative action didn't go far enough. Um, and uh, um, supporters of critical race theory also came up with something called intersectionality, which means that victims of oppression around the world, uh, women and 
and people of color uh, and victims of colonialism all ought to work together. And all of these uh, uh, separate evils are actually uh, connected, thus intersectionality. Uh, and so the fight of the Palestinians to get liberated from colonialism in Israel is connected to the fight of blacks to uh, get oppressor whites off their backs. And as you suggest, uh, they um, speak of Jews as a race. Jews are not a race. All you have to do is go to Israel and see black Jews and yellow Jews and brown Jews and white Jews. And yet... Uh, a big part of critical race theory is what's called white privilege, that anybody who has a white skin already enjoys unfair privileges in society. And Jews, because they are uh, so often successful in, in, in almost every dom domain, sector of society that they put their efforts into, um, are also privileged. And because many Jews in the... Uh, West, at least in the United States, do have a white skin, then uh, they are regarded as doubly uh, doubly oppressive because they're whites and also because they're connected with the, you know, they support the state of Israel, which is unfairly op uh, um, oppressing Palestinians and, in fact, is an apartheid state. Now, all of this is untrue. Uh, uh, you know, those of your listeners who have gone to Israel know that Israel is not, is by no means uh, an apartheid state. Uh, you know, you, you, you have Palestinians on the Supreme Court. You have right. Palestinians in the Knesset. Pal uh, two million Palestinians are full-fledged citizens, and they enjoy civil rights uh, that, that blacks in South Africa never enjoyed. They enjoy access to the same hospitals, the, the same state uh, world-class education system that uh, Jews enjoy. So it's a total lie. And, um, uh, and this business about Jews being inherently racist because of their white skin, I think anyone who has reason recognizes how racist this notion is that if you have a white skin, you're, you are necessarily privileged. Now, now, and now look, Aaron, you know, and your listeners know, uh, and you know, your listeners who have been around since the 1960s know that for more than a half century, we have had affirmative action in every sector of society so that blacks are actually preferred over whites. So, you know, this is a reverse racism. Um, and yet it is claimed that America, uh, it is claimed by uh, critical race theory, that America is systemically racist. Well, if you s say that, yes, it has systemically, in just about every sector of society, and particularly in the law, and particularly in education, and uh, in the media, and uh, uh, in government, has preferred people of color over people who are white, in that sense, yes, it is systemically racist, but that's just the opposite of the systemic racism that uh, critical race theorists talk about. 
And, and we're seeing this, which, which is alarming to me because I visit, you know, a lot of evangelical colleges and, uh, it, and this is just probably the last year or so that this, this whole issue of CRT is, uh, really on on the increase exponentially and you know i've talked to students who will go to a, a christian evangelical solid un- university college and within a year uh they're saying you know this person's racist that person's racist it's just very very divisive so do you see uh crt critical race theory uh influencing uh, young people today is, is it producing good fruit or is it producing bad fruit? This whole issue of critical race theory is producing bad fruit. It's turning our university and college students into uh, uh, fearful racists, uh, fearful of speaking the truth, of saying what's really on their mind, and racist because they are being taught to judge people by the color of their skin by CRT-influenced professors. And unfortunately, I talked about groupthink at the top of the hour uh, on replacement theology. Well, there's also groupthink on race now in the universities. And unfortunately, it is it has infected our evangelical colleges and universities as well. Uh, not every professor, but particularly the younger professors who... Um, uh, have gotten their PhDs in their last, you know, in the last 10, 15 years, and also the professors who are just afraid to take a stand because it is um, uh, dangerous for professors anymore, even at evangelical colleges and universities, to um, speak up against critical race theory. Um, uh, so there, there is less and less academic freedom in American universities and colleges, and that includes evangelical universities and colleges. And, it, and, and, and it's very sad because so many evangelical parents think they are sending their kids to a, a safe place theologically when they send them to an evangelical college or university, and that's not so true anymore. It's not so true. It, you're exactly right. I, I was on a campus recently, and uh, I was talking to some students, and... Um, they said, you know, we don't get together with this other dorm because uh, most of the students in that dormitory are white, and uh, they're all racist because they're white, and so we don't fellowship with them anymore. And it, it, I, it was stunning to me, and again, a major evangelical university, and I asked them, where did you get this viewpoint, and I think it was you who said, we, we've turned the gospel of grace into a gospel of race. And I, I mentioned that to them, that the gospel is all about reconciliation. It, it's not about, you know, a fight over skin color. And they told me that, you know, several of their professors, they're in these classes, and they're being taught critical race theory. And again, they went to the university with a heart of reconciliation uh, but after one year in the university, they've developed a, a gospel of, of racism and uh, dangerous times we're living in, Dr. McDermott. Do you have a final word uh, for the audience? Yes. Jesus said, do not judge. And certainly he was against. And, and reason tells us uh, that, that judging people by their skin color is, is, is not only anti-reason, but anti-gospel. Wow. Thank you so much. We've 
We've learned a lot today, Dr. McDermott, a great show, great presentation. And you can look up the archives of uh, Israel and You on Apple Music, Spotify, and Amazon. And thank you so much for being with me today, Dr. Gerald McDermott. My pleasure. All right. God bless you all. And we'll see you next time on the other side. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.